This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, I'm Martin Bayfield, and this is the Rugby Tonight podcast. On this week's show, we welcome New Zealand legends Jonah Lomu and Ali Williams to the studio following the All Blacks Rugby World Cup semi-final win over South Africa. Here's the best of our Rugby Tonight insight and analysis from Lawrence Delalio, Ben Kay and our studio guests. Ali, welcome. Thank you very much. Great to have you here. Pleasure. I feel special. (laughs) You're looking very relaxed. Retirement's obviously suiting you. So far, so good, yeah. yeah. It's not actually retirement, it's unemployment. <laughs> You're working a lot with these two? Um, just from afar. <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's safer he, that way. He's not saying it now, but before he said, I've been out till four every morning oh. burning the car. He's not saying it now. Working really hard. His wife's over there, that's why he's, uh, he's not admitting to that. Now, you, uh, you've been over here a while now, and uh, the important thing is, when you're in someone's country, you want to endear yourself Correct. to those people. And you... Uh, you did it brilliantly, Ali. I have to say. Now you may have forgotten some of the comments you said in the build-up to this World Cup. I'm, uh, I'm going to start with one. If the English, the only team nobody wants to see win, win this World Cup, it will be a dark day. Nice. Well, fortunately, fortunately for you, the lights are still shining. Um, the English always carry this consciousness of their grand past, and would like to be reminded of their great empire. It's this that explains why all the big rugby nations, with all their heart, want to beat them. Australia, France, New Zealand, South Africa. I think we can add to that Wales, Scotland, Ireland, <laughs> Finland, Iceland. Uh, so you, you, you've done well. You've won everyone over. And you went very public with this. Real impact. That's what my, uh, that's what my mum said to do. Um, basically, lost in translation. I didn't say that. Um, I said it would be a dark day if the All Blacks, um, if the all Blacks didn't win. All that sort of stuff, you could take what you want out of it. Stephen Jones is an extremely reliable source via Google Lost Translate. Lost in translation, he speaks English. <laughs> it, and it you was, definitely don't was, speak French. It was out of a French article, so it shows where it went. But, um, look, it, it, was, it was all blown over, especially when um, Steve Hansen rings me. And he says, what the... You can imagine the rest are you trying to do to us. We've come in here and, you know trying to win fans and you go and say something stupid like that. 
Then I get a text from Richie McCaw, and he says, hell of an interesting press conference, that one. <laughs> <laughs> I'll buy you a beer later. So, uh, yeah. Someone on Twitter did call, well, did say you sounded like a bitter Welshman. So I guess that's a compliment. Something good came out of all this, right? A few people love me. A lot of people hated me, but um, look, have a beer with me and ask me the real truth, and I'll answer everyone's questions. The great thing is, though, that as an Englishman and the English fans in here, we would love to argue with you on that one, but we can't. We know that actually you are absolutely right. Fantastic to have you here, but with the World Cup hitting these shores, we've been treated to some of the biggest names in the game, past and present being amongst us. But tonight we have arguably the biggest of the lot. His heroic spawn, perhaps the greatest rugby computer game of them all, providing some of us with the platform finally to score an international try. <laughs> but more importantly, in 1995, as rugby crept towards professionalism, one man turned the game from niche to global. Ladies and gentlemen, Jonah Lomu. How are you? Good? Oh, a lot lower. <laughs> we'll get someone to move the chair up. Um, must be Austin's chair. Hey! He's already and he's not even here. I love it. Um, enjoying your time over here? Oh, actually loving it. Uh, loving it so much that uh, walking uh, on the beach at uh, Bournemouth, my, my two sons turn around to me and go, Dad, can you go home and get the two dogs? And I said, oh. why is that? And he goes, oh, no, we want to live here. So, yeah. Did you think about it? I uh, did more than think about it. My wife's busy looking. <laughs> Brilliant. 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 She's going to trust you with the packing. Yeah. Well, you know. Let's just get it. Yeah, exactly. So, over here enjoying, but doing a bit of business as well? What are you, what are you up to while you're No, definitely. Uh, doing a bit of business. Uh, I'm the ambassador for MasterCard. So, yeah, it's, uh, you know, uh, time's pretty busy. I've been here by the, by the World Cup final. I'll be here uh, just over three months. So, yeah, uh, I've enjoyed it. The, the people have been so hospitable. Um, you know, uh, I, I don't understand, uh, you know, you, you run over some English players and then next thing you know, you know, they still like you. <laughs> so I, I feel safe in that sense. But, no, but in, in, in all uh, true sense of the word, They've been uh, fantastic hosts for this Rugby World Cup. They've been absolutely amazing. They've made it priceless for myself and my family. Uh, you know, and these guys here, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to see, you know, uh, great legends of the game, guys who have uh, made World Cups uh, what it is today. And, uh, you know, for me, uh, it's just an honour to be around all these people. And, uh, but the fans have made it, you know, what the World Cup is. It's an absolute honour to have you here today as well, isn't it, guys? We are honoured to have you uh, you, mentioned, you mentioned the World Cup in 1995. Thank you for squeezing a bit of lemon juice onto that particular paper cut. Um, I, this is actually the closest I've ever got to you, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> I count myself as one of the England players you didn't run over. That's because I was hiding at the time. Um, we're going to be discussing this more and more, and later on we may well recreate one of the, the first try. Um, what do you remember? of that try. I mean, we've got some of the images that may come up now, and it was really, really quite worrying what you did to that England team. What, what do you remember? I, mean, I would imagine people have asked you that question again and again and again over these last three months. <laughs> I think the, the thing about that, uh, that game, I remember, 
I had no TV, no newspaper delivered to my room. Um, security was on our floor that just didn't let anyone on there. Um, it was almost like um, uh, I was caged and just let loose uh, <laughs> on the weekend. You know, it was, uh, it was funny too because uh, my, my roommate was Frank Bunce and uh, you know, preparing for that game, all I know is that they just kept feeding me the bits and pieces that were said and that they knew that would fire me up which was basically, um, I remember there was a piece in the, uh, in the Cape paper, which was, uh, heading was, Tony Underwood says that Jonah Lormu hasn't played anyone with uh, my calibre of speed. And, you know, I know, I know Tony really well. It was something that I, I feel that he wouldn't have, but because of what it was and everything else and how uh, things sort of happened, uh, especially with the... The, the discipline that we had with the team was they put my bag, my tackle bag, the furthest away. So that made me even, like, yeah, it, anybody made a mistake in the team, I had to run the furthest to go and tackle the bag, come back. No, no, go out. You know, so by the time game came around, the game came around, I ended up lining up, and as you're preparing to do the haka, you pick up the person, you know, you find someone, whoever stares at you, you just stay locked eye contact, and it just happened to be Tony. And, but the problem was that he gave me that one, and you know, and that was him just acknowledging that he accepts the challenge, and he's always admired it. But for me, at that time, my thing was, yeah, you wink, yeah, you have accepted the challenge, but I'm going to wipe that wink off your face. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah. which, is, which is why I really like lining up against him because he doesn't look quite as scary as that. No, no. <laughs> you know, at this very moment, my cat is phoning Tony Underwood, going, "You did what? <laughs> that explains everything." Um, it's got to be up there. Uh, it, it's definitely up there. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, the, but um, in terms of uh, changing someone's life uh, completely, that mm. definitely did. Um, I didn't realise what I'd done until the next morning when I went to go and buy some toothpaste and the whole mall followed me. And I'm like hiding out in the janitor's closet out the back waiting for security to you know, make room so I can get back to my hotel. Never seen anything like it, you know. And, uh, you know, going to the games, you've got security and everything. I've got my headphones on, so, you know, you're getting into the groove of things. So you don't realise what had happened. But, yeah, it wasn't until that happened. And, uh, you know, I, I went, OK, now my life is not my own. And, uh, and it's... But in saying that, though, it's always been... It's been a blessing for myself and my family. Um, rugby has given me um, the life that I had, but also to be still remembered 20 years on since 1995. Uh, for me, it's it's humbling and it's a privilege to to have played this great sport. And we can't have two legends like this at the game here without asking you about New Zealand's campaign. And um, it's been pretty pretty impressive, hasn't it, so far? Let's face it. No, it has. It's uh, <laughs> it has been impressive. Uh, you know they you know they're doing exactly what they need to do. Um, they're winning. You know, uh, like people talk about close scores and so forth, but you know, it doesn't matter just as long as you have the W next to your name and you're going to the next stage and you get another week. You know, they've got another week and they've got an opportunity to defend the title. And it's something that no, you know, they have, uh, they're on the cusp of doing something that no other team has done yet, you know, and that's win back to back World Cups. And that, you know, that is great. But in saying that, though, you're playing against the Australians, which is the only team that has beaten us this year. And, um, you know, so it's going to be a humding of a game. Um, it's almost like a it's a fifth bleeders low. <laughs> so, uh, but you know, uh, it's yeah, but it's a different beast when you play the World Cup. You know, I keep saying that to everybody. You know, it's uh, 
different from test matches and so forth because you know you're in each other's back pocket for eight eight weeks and uh, you know uh, loss of form things like that but just finding yourself a, it's your unification as a team you find yourself you find the heart to be able to carry on and when you get into those deep and dark places that you will find yourself in test matches that's when you find out how good you are how good your teammates are what you're willing how far are you willing to push yourself and sometimes the point of difference is the people that are sitting in the stands because when your gas tank is saying empty it's they're filling you up that's the one that picks you up and gets you to the, to the next ruck to the try line yeah Ali no one epitomizes that that approach to the game than uh, more than Richie McCall and it's it could be the most glorious swan song the most glorious farewell but perhaps the greatest rugby player of all time. You know the guy very, very well. What makes him so special? Well, simple thing is he drinks more water than beer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if we're going to be honest. Um, hopefully that changes soon. But uh, I think it's just his uh, mental desire to push himself harder than anyone else can. Um, extremely humble guy. Um, but just when he wants something, he'll, he'll do everything, sacrifice anything. And for him, you know, the biggest thing in his life is the black jersey. And that's, that's basically why he's so good. Um, the greatest, yeah, for sure, I reckon. Behind maybe the ultimate here. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, uh, Lawrence, what about the guys behind the scenes? Yeah, Steve Hansen was part of that World Cup winning uh, management team in 2011, but he's yep. at the helm now. And there doesn't seem to be a dip. The, the All Blacks have kicked on. They've accelerated from 2011. Well, these guys have been involved in, in World Cups and, and previously. And New Zealand have always, you know, go into the tournament as favourites. But I get the sense that this has been the, the best they've ever prepared for a, for a World Cup tournament itself. Um, you know, his record, Steve Hansen, has been phenomenal. He's made a few mistakes in the past with Wales. And then he's come across, um, you know, he's had that experience. He worked under Graham Henry and that structure and would have learned a huge amount. And... And, you know, arguably he's not tried to change much, he's just taken it forward to the next level. And, you know, you'd think that this All Blacks team is, is one of the best we've ever, ever seen. It's just, you know, keeps getting better and they're going to be very tough to beat for the Australians at the weekend. I mean, Steve always, I mean, he's the public figure, isn't he, that, that always speaks and that we always hear from. But um, apparently it's a real inclusive culture, am I right by saying that, you know? Is it, that the All Blacks is a very inclusive culture. Oh, absolutely. You speak to any of these guys and, and everyone within the, within the squad and the setup is as important and they've all got that one com common goal to remain the best sporting team there's ever been in the world. And, and um, you know, they've done a pretty good job of it under Steve Hansen. You look at some of the tactical nows that they've got. That I mean, Steve Hansen's the guy at the top, but the likes of Wayne Smith and, and what he's done. The thing that's different about New Zealand, you talk about, um, you talk about the other teams and their strengths, and New Zealand are pretty strong at them all, and, and the fact that they've got threats all over the field. So if you defend one way of playing, they will, they're clever enough and they're, they're intelligent enough with their decision-making to go where you're not defending as strongly, and, and that's what sets them apart from everyone else. Ali, do you reckon that, that performance against France in the, in, um, in the World Cup that we've just seen, was that potentially the finest World Cup performance we've witnessed? Yeah, I'd, I'd say so. Um, purely because of the fact that things came off and it was open rugby. Um, I think if you look back at the match, that first half an hour was quite a tight-fought um, contest. And then when things start going your way, they go your way. And when you've got lucid props who have just flown in four, four days before doing offloads and things like that, you know that it was your day. And um, 
It was quite interesting because I went and saw Steve Hansen before that, the night before, had a uh, glass of wine with him because that's what we do. Um, <laughs> he was so nervous. I hadn't seen him that nervous for a long, long time. Normally he's the, the humorous one that's making all the jokes, um, but he was, he was very nervous. And that was coming through all the team. They really respected the French, but they also had that nerve and that fear of, of failure, which for me was probably the catalyst for why they, why they played so well. We're going to start chatting about your big rivals, Ali. Um, Australia, facing them in the final. How impressed have you been with their campaign so far? Yeah, extremely impressed. They, uh, they've turned themselves around in 11 months. Um, you probably put a lot of that on Checker. He's, uh, he's really sort of grabbed them and created a culture and, and held them. Um, he's, a, he's a guy that sort of takes no nonsense and you've got Pocock and Hooper, the first time playing together, uh, they're, they're creating all sorts of trouble. So it's, um, it's going to be a tough game, but uh, like anything, you always support the, uh, the colour of your blood, mm -hmm. and ours is black, so uh, always back in the All Blacks. Yeah, Johnny, they seem to be um, far more of a complete team, don't they, now, than what we've been maybe in the last couple of years. Would you go along with that? Um, uh, you know, it's, uh, uh, it's horses for courses, really. Um, you play with what you what you have at the time, and um, you know the team has built around to be a World Cup squad, and uh, you know it's uh, the team that it is now. Um, the record speaks for itself, but it's also a culmination of four years. Well, actually eight years since uh, 07. You know, and um, you know it's uh, you know it's that that has come through, and it's. Uh, it's that belief that it's led through, but it's also it's handed down from uh, from each year from each each player. And uh, what a lot of people don't realise is that with the All Blacks, is it's the jersey that makes it. It's the the people have worn it previously. Mm. We never forget that. Um, when you go out onto the field, you're leaving a piece of yourself with that jersey wherever wherever you go in that All Black shirt. And we always ha and we have a say: once an All Black, or always an All Black. And, you know, it's that pride that you have in that jersey. You know, it's enhancing that piece and adding to that legacy that the All Blacks is. And, um, and that's, what, that's what makes it. Well, listen, we, it's been very All Black centric at the moment. We need to, uh, need to hear from your, uh, your cousins across the, uh, across the sea, across the ditch. Um, we should have former Wallabies captain now, of course, with Harlequins, James Horwell with us. James. You look splendid. How are you? <laughs> Thanks very much. Yeah, you should see the other guy. He looks, way better than I, he looks much better than I do. Outstanding, outstanding. Well, we'll, we'll come on to other Quinns in a little. I actually ask you now, how are you settling in at uh, Quinns? Big move for you. Yeah, it's been great. You know, the, the club's been really good in, in helping me settle in. Obviously, uh, around World Cup time, there's a lot of Aussies around London at the moment. So uh, it's been a little bit of a home away from home for me over the last uh, few weeks. I think... Uh, my house has been full with uh, with mates that have come over to watch the games, and uh, this week's no different. There's uh, there's a couple of Aussies crashing on the couch to make sure they uh, they're there for the final on Saturday. Yeah, I know it's a nightmare for people trying to get a drink in Shepherd's Bush <laughs> and Elves Court at the moment. They can't find a barman because they're all watching the rugby. Um, but what did you make of uh, of Australia's performance against Argentina? Oh, look, I think they were very impressive. I think, you know, you've you got to look at... It probably wasn't the most complete performance that the Czech would have been looking for, but I think they got the job done. The, you know, I think the breakdown's always been a, a big part of the game. When we, when we control the breakdown, when we do well at the breakdown, 
um, you know, we, we tend to play well. And I think, uh, you know, when, when you've got guys like Poey and, and Michael Hooper playing as well as they are, and, and probably the unsung hero of that back row has been Scott Fardy. I think he does the work that allows Hooper and, and Pocock to do what they do. And because and they're such freakishly gifted players, it, you know, it allows them to do that. So I think Fardy's uh, been sort of that, that glue that, that keeps the back row together. There's a good headline in one of the newspapers this week. New Zealand are beatable, but are Australia capable, James? Well, we beat them not too long ago on the, to, to win the rugby championship. So, uh, but the week later, we, we, had a, we had a bit of a, a fall from grace. But I think, certainly, I think on our day, when we play as well as we can, we, we, we feel we can beat anyone. And I think that, that, uh, that confidence is something that Michael has been really strong about putting into the guys is that going out there and being able to back yourself and, and live to the identity of that is a wallaby and I think that that's something that the, the boys have really worked on well and I think you know in the end it's a, it's going to be a game and we'll see who wins at the end but I think uh, it should be a fantastic final I think the two best teams in the in the competition have, have made it to the final and you can't always say that at times in World Cup so I think it'll be a it'll be a cracking spectacle. James thanks ever so much for joining us I know you're up against uh, Bath in the next round, and then you return to the stoop in round four to go against Sale. Maybe you'll get another eye to, to match the other one. <laughs> Enjoy yourself. Thanks very much for joining us. Ladies and gentlemen, James Hall. No worries, no worries, guys. Thank you. Thank you. We had lots and lots of questions. We just picked out three of the very, very best to put to the lads. Uh, Ali, toughest lock that you ever played against? Ben K. Ben K. It's a joke. Okay. <laughs> uh, probably toughest. You know, there's Victor, there's uh, Bucky's, but I think every lock's got his own strength. Um, lock's one of those positions that you get better with age, mm. and um, you know, so there's so many good guys that I've, I've played against. That you wouldn't uh, sort of want to single anyone out, but Ben K definitely. Okay. Even beat Martin Johnson. I like that. Well done, Benny. Uh, right, next question um, from Ed Hudson. Uh, who is... This is a great question. Who is the most underrated all-black of all time? Perhaps to both of you. Jonah, who would you say is the most underrated all-black of all time? Tough question. Yeah, actually, that, that's really tough. Who's, who's done the business and perhaps doesn't get the headlight, you know, the headlights or the headlines? I think Kevin Mialami. Right. Yeah, like, was it... You know, the man's played in the front row of the all-blacks. 100 plus odd tests, and he, you know, he won't get the recognition that the likes of Richie McCall, uh, myself, and and other players led led the hacker at the weekend. Is that, yeah, is yeah. that something that he, he always leads the hacker, or uh, because he's the most senior Maori, or what, how does that work? It, it, it does does vary. Um, yeah. Comes back to your, your Maori roots. Um, yeah. If you've got them, then you're front runner. But some yeah. on some on roots, and the, the island roots are yeah. the ones that lead it. But uh, okay. I'd back that up. Kevin and I'd probably put Tony Woodcock in there. Yeah, the, the yeah. two of them have yeah. trooped along the whole time. Okay, brilliant. Last question, which is uh, to Jonah, I guess. Who is the best winger at the moment in rugby, perhaps in the Rugby World Cup, and why? Uh, let's have let's have a little walk over here as well, guys. Let's have a little think. Who's the best winger? I mean, is it Surveyor, do you think, or uh, well, we got Nadolo from from Fiji? I mean, there's there's been a few, isn't there? I mean, Adam Ashley Cooper has, has played brilliantly um, during the World Cup. Well, I guess it's uh, I know uh, there's this this there's such a huge number of um, of great wingers, you know, wing three quarters out there, you know, uh, the likes of 
Naheem Milnuskada, Julian Sevier. You've got Brian Habana in there as well. Yeah. Drew Mitchell, he's most probably the underrated out of the out of the lot of them. But man, you know, he's got uh, he's got great cred around in terms of uh, great skills. Mm. Um, but also, um, you know, you got the likes of George North. You know, there's yeah, there's a number of them, and um, you know, it's hard to choose just the one. And uh, you know, at the moment, it's uh, you know, it's anybody's ball game. Fantastic. What, what impresses you about Julian Surveyor? Because I think people may have been surprised when they suddenly heard that he'd, he'd come up to your record of, of tries for New Zealand. Um, I, but it, his name has, has grown and grown and grown through this World Cup. Yeah, it has. It's, uh, it's fantastic. You know, the man is, uh, you know, he's, he's making the jersey his own. And, uh, and, and that's what you want. Uh, when, I, when I set the record, there was only 16 teams. There's 20 teams now. So I expect someone to beat my record. So, you know, it's, but this is, you know, this is where you make your name, the, the Rugby World Cup. You can't get any bigger than this. You know, so, you know, this is your opportunity. It doesn't matter who you are. If you want to make a statement in rugby, this is the place to do it because you're playing against the best players in the world. It's a little bit silly, though, Ben, you know, that, that people have started, you know, comparing surveyor to you, Jonah, because two players playing against very different players in different generations... In, 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 in almost a different game now than what yeah, was I think about that. I think it's probably Jonah's fault because <laughs> and I'm serious because everyone saw what he did at that World Cup and you look back to I mean you started off in the back row didn't you yeah and it was I guess it was probably trying to replace Inga Tuigamala and we need yeah you know, that sort of big runner is good for us let's try Jonah there and let he's got the pace and he's got the skill and and but you look at the back line that Jonah played against, you know, for England in that 95 game, and you, you see the old pictures of it, you can't believe how skinny some of the guys are. And as a result, I think, you know, a lot of teams looked for a Jonah equivalent that, that they couldn't obviously find, but, you know, the players got bigger and bigger. And, and in order to defend it, the team said, we can never be run over like we were in 95. So you look at the back lines in comparison now, and they're huge. Mm. You know, they're, they're, and, you know, you mentioned George North and... and you know, so the game has changed massively that actually, yes, there is still space for smaller guys and, and, and you, we see what Shane Williams has done over the years and, and Jason Robinson, but the game has changed you know, because the backs and the forwards now are, are equally as big. Alec, when you look at Milner Scudder, he is like that. He's that Shane Williams character. Hasn't got the stature, but my goodness me, he's got the feet. Yeah, he's electric. He can, um, you know, he holds that defender up because well, you don't know which way he's going to go and he's... Making a, a real name for himself, and look, he's created himself in probably less than 24 months. So the opportunities are there in rugby to, to come out and show what what you've got. Um, but I mean, I played with big guy, and it was pretty impressive when you gave him the ball and you could run backwards um, behind behind the uh, halfway line and just go, "Cheers, buddy, I'll, uh, get a drink." So um, I, I think you know, I, I don't like comparing. I think it's not right. Um, he was the best in his time, and I think, you know, Jules was standing up to be the best in his time. But um, I, I just don't think it's fair to comp compare them. Jonah, we know that you've got to leave us now and head off. It has been an absolute joy. Thank you very much, Lee. Ladies and gentlemen, Thanks for listening to the Rugby Tonight podcast. Make sure you head to iTunes and subscribe.
Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 